Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and sponsored by People's Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and I'd like to introduce this week's host of Business Talk. He's a contributing writer for Business West. Here is George O'Brien. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of Business Talk. Uh, we have a terrific show for you today. Uh, I can't wait to get to it, but I will because first we need to hear this important message from our sponsor, People's Bank. Thank you for listening to the Business Talk podcast, sponsored by People's Bank, bringing you the best in business experts, entrepreneurs, and evangelists. Make Business Talk your innovation break for ideas and inspiration. People's Bank, where commercial banking can fuel your growth and make work life easier. Member FDIC, DIF Equal Housing Lender. Bank at peoples.com slash business. Okay, we are back. And as promised, we have a great show for you today. Our guest is Keith Ferry. He is the president and CEO of Wayfinders. How are you, Keith? I am well. How are you, George? I'm good. Thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, we have some important material to talk about. Uh, I want to get right to it. Uh, this would be the housing crisis uh, in Western Mass, but also across the state and also in, in other parts of the country as well. We want to talk about um, how we got here. We want to talk about uh, maybe how we get out of this mess that we're in now. We also want to talk about the impact of the housing crisis uh, on our business community and, and just on this region in general uh, in matters that obviously uh, you know about and our readers do as well. Everything from homelessness to our ability to compete with other regions and other states. Uh, before we get to all that, I'll give you a couple of uh, minutes to, to talk about Wayfinders, what you do and how you do it and uh, uh, your uh, relevance to this housing crisis. Great. Well, th- thanks for the opportunity to talk about Wayfinders. Wayfinders is a organization that is uh, 50 plus years old and works across the housing continuum from homelessness to home ownership. Uh, and our mission and goal is to create greater stability and economic mobility for, for our families and our residents of the region. And with the goal of making an equitable and thriving region here in Western Massachusetts, uh, we do that through running a variety of programs uh, from everything from emergency shelter to homeless families uh, to creating uh, programs for emergency financial assistance for people having a hard time paying their mortgage or paying the rent. Uh, to providing long-term rental assistance, uh, and then also working with people to become homeowners or to make sure they can retain their homeownership with uh, foreclosure counseling for those who run into trouble. And then finally, we um, we also develop and manage affordable housing throughout the region. So uh, housing that's affordable for um, families, for seniors, for individuals, um, and, and a range of communities from urban to suburban to rural communities uh, throughout Western Massachusetts. So those are uh, among the ways that we uh, try to to achieve our mission and work toward that goal of an equitable, thriving region. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I'm sure our, our readers appreciate everything that you do. Uh, let's talk about the, this housing crisis. And uh, we, we don't use that word crisis loosely here. This really is a crisis. And from what I understand and from what uh, you've told me, this is a crisis that affects pretty much every level of housing that we have in this region, um, from entry-level housing, affordable housing, and right on up. Uh, talk about how we got here. We got here uh, through uh, decades of really underinvesting in in our communities and our housing stock. Um, 
if you go back and look at um, uh, the kind of the, the seeds here, that includes uh, lower investment at the federal level and through the Department of um, the Federal Department of Housing and Urban Development. And you'll see their budgets have declined over the years. Uh, and their budgets are critical to creating affordable housing, affordable housing for seniors, affordable housing for individuals and families. Um, and uh, that's one part of the puzzle. Uh, we have also seen a, a big um, um, shift in our demographics. Uh, we have uh, older individuals and, and, and couples living longer, uh, aging in place, staying in their homes, uh, which is a good thing, uh, but it creates a challenge if we're not building the homes that are needed for new families. And we have two ma major demographic bubbles, the, the um, millennial generation that is uh, starting and growing uh, families and starting new households. And then we have um, uh, people who are in the baby boomer category who are, again, the aging in place category and living much longer. And without creating more housing supply, we create a housing supply gap. Um, uh, and with low historically low vacancy rates here in the in the in the Pioneer Valley uh, for rental and home ownership housing for ownership housing it's about one percent vacancy rate uh, ownership um, I'm sorry for for ownership housing it's one percent vacancy rate for rental housing it's around four or five percent um, and that creates a very tight market um, so anybody looking for new housing options are, are challenged, um, challenged by a couple of factors, increasing costs, uh, which are hitting owners uh, uh, of rental units, increasing costs for utilities and other things, and rents go up. Um, and then uh, with the shortage of homes for sale, prices have gone up uh, dramatically over the last uh, several years. Should we have seen this coming? I mean, the, the, the demographic bubbles you're talking about uh, it's not like they, they snuck up on anybody. Uh, the, the baby boomer generation, we knew uh, that they'd be hitting 70 uh, yes. right about this time and that they would be a huge number of people in that situation. Uh, we don't want to point fingers, but uh, again, what, what should have been going on all along? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, politics and getting in the way of good policy and good planning. Uh, and, and and investment that our communities need to thrive as they change and grow over time. Uh, not only is our uh, um, our populations aging and growing, uh, living longer and healthier, but our, also our housing stock that exists currently is also some of the oldest in the Commonwealth. In fact, it is the oldest in the Commonwealth overall. And when we look at our housing that's that's built before 1970, much of it built before 1950. It also needs significant reinvestment. So there are two. It's a um, it's a, a multi pronged uh, issue here, George. When we look at our housing crisis, the need to create more housing units and the need to reinvest in the housing stock that we have, um, and all of that, to your point, uh, was known, has been known uh, mm -hmm. that, that we need to make these investments. Um, and um, for different reasons, investments were made other places or our, our investments were reduced uh, from the public sector who often need to lead in this case uh, and create opportunities for the private sector then to come in uh, and leverage capital uh, to, um, to, to move forward. I think it's a misnomer, I think, for some to believe that uh, affordable housing is built solely with government money. That's actually not the case. The most successful affordable housing program that we have in, in the country right now and for the last um, couple of decades has been the low-income housing tax credit, which is actually a tax credit that are bought by private investors. It's a public-private partnership and brings private equity into building affordable housing. And that's what most affordable housing is built with today. 
So there's a big opportunity here, not only for public sector investment, but for private sector investment from affordable to, to what we call workforce housing to market rate housing. Mm-hmm. When you and I uh, spoke for the story that uh, just appeared in Business Plus, we talked a lot about the laws of supply and demand. Historically, uh, those laws have, have kind of produced a, a lot of building when it was necessary. When there was demand, uh, we increased the supply. We saw that in the 50s and 60s after the war. And Why didn't that happen in this case? Uh, were there just barriers to the investment that you talked about? If, if we knew there was going to be this demand, why, why wasn't that supply created? Yeah. So going back, if you go back to the 50s post-war era, uh, government played a role, right? Creating um, discounted mortgages, looking for ways for um, veterans of, um, of World War II to come back and be uh, create their households and grow their families and um, re-engage in, in the civic and social and economic infrastructure of the country. So there was a role for government. Uh, there was um, uh, significant investment there in home ownership opportunities, starter homes, you know, Levittown and all those things created these great uh, affordable opportunities for people um, to get into home ownership. Um, and so um, today, uh, one of the big challenges we have is, um, again, not that no major government program like that, particularly for starter homes. And then uh, the additional challenge is that there's a lot of kind of local rule around what, what gets built and where. And so, and what I'm speaking to is a local zoning and, and local approval processes uh, that often are things that stop um, affordable housing production or slow it down um, and, and make it more costly. Uh, and a housing production of all types. Um, so, you know, I was talking, I learned of a project that was going to be a market rate development in West Springfield recently, uh, George, that um, a developer, uh, uh, um, found the site uh, that was um, well suited for housing development, uh, and there was a lot of uh, vitriol about it in the community. And mm-hmm. the developer ended up sort of turning away from the project uh, and not building it. Uh, we need more market rate housing, uh, and then uh, we, as an affordable housing developer, we often face opposition in communities. Uh, where people um, um, bring up uh, kind of lots of what we call not in my backyard or NIMBY arguments uh, about how this is going to be uh, some detriment to community. In my experience working in affordable housing and community development over the last uh, 25 years or so, we're bringing multi-million dollar investments that are bringing jobs in terms of construction jobs, uh, we're bringing operating jobs in terms of maintenance and supervision of that housing. And these are tax-paying uh, properties, right? So we are are adding to the tax roll. Uh, and some of the concerns that people bring up are are just don't don't prove out. Some concerns people mm-hmm. bring out up today are about uh, well, it's going to impact our schools negatively. Many of our schools have, de- have declining enrollment, uh, so we need actually more students in the seats. Um, many of our communities have uh, could use some growth in their tax rolls to kind of meet the needs of providing other municipal services. So these are assets, not things that are judgments to communities. Um, and so if communities plan for these things, and certainly we're not talking about any development anywhere, anytime, uh, but the right kind of community scale development uh, can have a real positive impact for, for us from an economic, a social, uh, and uh, community benefit. Okay, you're listening to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West and sponsored by People's Bank. We're talking today with Keith Ferry, President and CEO of Wayfinders, about the housing crisis. 
Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, not in, in my backyard is, is a huge issue in this region uh, and all over. If somebody wanted to build Levittown today, it would never get off the drawing board. <laughs> so, okay, we talked about how we got here. Um, do you want to just quickly kind of quantify and qualify the the problem in terms of, I know there was a Don Hill Institute study a few years ago that, that kind of uh, hit everybody right between the eyes yeah. in terms of the number of units we need and the number of units we're not going to have at this point. Right. So uh, we worked with the Donahue Institute um, in 2021 and 2022 to release a two-phase housing study for the greater Springfield area. Uh, and the, the big data point uh, that, as you described, George, was kind of a surprising to, to folks was the housing supply gap that they came up with, meaning that we don't have enough units to meet the needs of people who are here. Uh, and then the number in 21 that was released was that we had a current housing supply gap of 11,000 units projected to grow to 19,000 units by 2025. So that was um, the one that I think um, there were many pieces to that study, but one that that, that resonates uh, for for many of us. And, and many people have begun to feel uh, through the pandemic and now in this uh, post-pandemic area with, with high costs and so on, that there just isn't a lot of housing choice and opportunity. Uh, regardless of your income level. Uh, certainly the lower in your income, uh, the harder it is to find housing. But even as you get up into uh, more um, um, uh, middle class and uh, even market rate housing, the choices are slim to none. What are we seeing in this market in, in terms of, of building? There are a few communities where we're seeing a kind of a, now I want to say it's proactive, but a kind of a, a good response to this in, in terms of, of taking the lead, putting some more units on the market, and then others would, would just not see much. Where are we seeing some positive action here? I think there are, are definitely cities and towns that are, are interested in uh, creating the right kind of community-scale housing options um, up and down the Pioneer Valley here. Um, so there are many kind of communities that are willing. We just did actually a survey, George, and I'll, I'll talk specific about some some cities like uh, the town of Amherst, for example, where, where I, I reside and uh, and where, where Wayfinders has two developments uh, um, today. Uh, we're working on a third development where the town uh, is uh, using a surplus school and uh, and land that they acquire to, to, for affordable housing. They put it out for RFP. We were fortunate enough to win that RFP. We're going to create 70 uh, units there, uh, and that'll be for affordable workforce and market rate housing uh, to fill the housing needs there. And that's um, going to be supported in part with uh, town CPA funds, Community Preservation Act funds, and they also created the Municipal Housing Trust. So that, that's a town that's gone, taken another step uh, to invest in creating more diverse housing options. Um, you know, here in uh, and across the region, there are different towns and cities that have done similar things. In South Hadley, they created a 40R zone, um, which is a, a zone for higher density housing in town where they could also make some uh, infrastructure improvements and get some incentives back from the state for creating that. And we're going to be developing a 60 unit project there in South Hadley. They'll also be mixed income. Um, and um, here in Hamden County, we're working on a, a 60 unit project in Agawam. Um, uh, and so there are many communities where housing is going up. And those are just things that Wayfinders is doing. Um, and um, and there are many communities that are looking to create more, um, more opportunity by creating zoning, by creating local resources uh, for housing uh, that are key to um, both being competitive and funding applications to the state uh, and also uh, to meeting the needs of development budgets. Um, 
one of the things I would mention, though, is that there aren't enough cities and towns doing what they need to be doing. Uh, we have been working since um, May of 2022 with um, uh, several cities and towns and uh, nonprofit developers of housing throughout the region, the planning agencies, and we've done a survey of housing development. Uh, what, what are the things that are planned over the next five years? And while we may not have gotten every project that's planned, we've gotten we're at 50 different uh, participants in the process. And um, what we've learned is that we have um, about 50 uh, projects planned in 19 cities and towns in the four counties of Western Massachusetts that will build about 1,500 units um, from our survey. Uh, there are 101 cities and towns in Western Massachusetts. Um, our housing supply gap is 11,000 units, particularly there are 19,000 units. So we're not doing enough. We're doing some things that are positive. Um, and some towns are welcoming in many different ways. Um, I was just talking with a, a rural town yesterday, and they were talking about even building one or two units would make a big difference of, for affordable home ownership. And so everybody is looking at this issue about how to diversify and invest in their housing stock. Um, and um, and we need to support those cities and towns uh, and incentivize others to come to the table because we need, we need more housing if we're going to close that housing supply gap. Okay. Speaking of more housing, in the few minutes that we have left, I want you to talk about the housing bond bill being debated on Beacon Hill now. Uh, this looks like an opportunity to kind of seize this problem and, and, and do something, uh, kind of like a moment in time. Uh, talk about what, what's being discussed and what hopes we have for something large enough to stem the tide here. The housing bond bill is a critical tool for the state of Massachusetts. It's done every five years. It creates the, the kind of the funding limits and the bonding limits for housing production programs or uh, throughout the state, whether you're building um, in, in on the Cape or you're building here in Western Massachusetts, we're all using uh, resources from the housing bond bill. The last bond bill was passed in 2018. It was $1.8 billion. It was the biggest bond bill ever. Um, and that was before the, the ramp up in the housing crisis, a crisis that, as we've talked about, has been uh, kind of emerging for, for years. Um, but as we look at what's needed now, um, the bond bill will need to be much bigger than that $1.8 billion. So can we make critical investments in producing new housing, critical investments in producing new home ownership opportunities, critical investments in our public housing infrastructure. The state has a unique situation where we have state-funded public housing that also has lots of deferred maintenance that needs to be invested in, and investments that also can work in rural communities um, in all communities throughout the state. So there's a real opportunity here. Uh, we um, uh, recently met with, uh, earlier this week, we had the great opportunity to host um, Lieutenant Governor Driscoll and uh, uh, um and um, Secretary Augustus um, for an event uh, with the Western Mass Housing Coalition. They're very, very gracious to come and talk about um, talk about their plans for uh, for investment in the Commonwealth and uh, and uh, give us some um, sneak previews into the, the bond bill, uh, which is uh, is something that will be really important that they will start with. Um, and they are starting with uh, their their version of the bond bill first, and then I'll go through the legislative process that goes to the House and the Senate. And then hopefully by the end of the session, we will have a very robust bill uh, that we'll all be using for the next five years to really um, make real progress on meeting our housing needs. Okay. Like you said, hopefully it'll be large enough and bold enough to start to make some progress and, and bringing us back up to the other side of this crisis. So anyway, that's all the time we have. 
Thank you very much for being with us, Keith. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. And thanks to all of you for tuning into Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West and sponsored by People's Bank. I'm George O'Brien, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.